Welcome to Fitness Freedom, helping you break through your personal prison in your body and mind. Hosted by Mike Mahoney. Mike owns fitnessexpose.com and is a fitness industry evangelist, teaching others what to watch out for and steering them in the direction of the reputable few. He is a certified personal trainer with a passion for helping other people reach their goals. If you're tired of knocking the results you want and are looking to be inspired, look no further. Fitness Freedom will inspire and motivate you to achieve your goals. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Fitness Freedom, the show that teaches you how to get free of that body prison that you have. Um, today's guest is Chris Fudge. He has over 20,000 hours of high-level practical experience in the field of personal training and strength and conditioning. He's known for his obsessive style of tracking all variables in training and performance, such as macros, sleep patterns, frequency, tempo, reps, sets, percents, and tonnage. Because of this, Chris is defined as a results-based trainer. His education has led him to work with clients of various backgrounds, national record-holding powerlifters, award-winning fitness models, university and professional athletes of varying sports, to everyday weight loss and pain management clients. Chris has been awarded Personal Trainer of the Year across Canada on multiple occasions and other fitness-related awards. He won provincial and national powerlifting championships and has represented Canada at the IPF World Powerlifting Championships 2014. Chris believes the effort is what distinguishes great results from poor results, and I couldn't agree more. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Excited to be here. That's impressive. Um, uh, you have a powerlifting background, uh, personal training, but tell me about this tracking all variables. So, how do you go about how do you go about doing that and getting clients to do that? Well, the first thing I think I need to address is mention that I've done twenty thousand plus hours. I wasn't awake for the whole twenty thousand plus hours. <laughs> <laughs> and that is how you establish some form of rapport with people. You got to be around them a long time. And, and with doing 20,000 hours of training, you learn a few things along the way, you know, yeah. making mistakes in the early days. Now I can predict and I can foresee things in advance prior to that. So, you know, being around the business for a long time is one thing, but I've learned a lot from making minor mistakes in the early days working with great mentors, and then really just trying to take my own craft and make it um, very unique and special. So there's a it's pliable business long term. When it comes to to tracking, that's always been my thing. I don't have any strong skill sets. But one thing that I found I'm pretty good at is pattern recognition. By pattern recognition, I can foresee things happening before they do. So when I work with someone who is a weight loss client, a lot of times a story they tell me, I've heard it before, which then means I know what struggles they're going to run into, and then I know how to overcome those. Same with getting strong. When someone's, I've done everything to get strong and I can't get strong. I've heard that before. What have you done? I've done all the, I've heard that before. And guess what? We broke through plateaus by doing this, this, this. The key thing is that you got to track it. You got to write it down. I use technology. I use an iPad. I track everything from sleep, from HRV, from body weight, from heart rate, from tonnage of weights that someone's lifting, from weigh-in. If you weigh in better on a Monday morning versus a Friday morning, how does that affect your weekend? And no two people are the same, but a lot of the patterns are. No, it totally, it totally makes sense. I actually once, um, when I was doing personal training, 
um, I had somebody at, at a gym I was working at make make fun of me for logging everything that I did. And so then I said, well, let's let's check in with you on a monthly basis. And like, let's see where your bench press is at and let's see where your squat is at. And <laughs> no surprise, six months later, they were still at the same weights they were at previously. Meanwhile, mine had gone up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm with you on that. I think, I think pattern recognition is something that um, more people need to be better at because you, you, you're, you're not wrong. You know, you're not, you don't reinvent the wheel. There's different, different types of people. Um, but basically body responds the way body responds. And you're going to find that out by the patterns that you see. Right. So that's, that's really cool. So I find it interesting though, like, um, a lot of people don't put a lot of credence on um, tempo and like percentage of one rep max and stuff like that. But I've personally found both of those things completely change training, right? Mm-hmm. So like you you slow the reps down, that set becomes a lot harder than if you just push right through it. And most people they go they go too hard too soon, too fast too soon. They 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 haven't created any motor engrams or learning patterns in their brain of how to do an exercise. So when you give someone a set of dumbbells, you say do shoulder press. What do they think? Okay, I've got a dumbbell here. It's got to go overhead. It's got to come back to the start. For sure. And they're not wrong. But maybe a couple other things can make it a little bit better. First off, your base. Are you stable? The more you can stabilize, the more force you can produce. So if you push your feet in the floor, you push your shoulders into the pad, right off the bat, you're going to be a little bit stronger. Secondary, if I'm doing a shoulder press, who, who do I want to do the work? Do I want my anterior deltoid doing most of the work? Do I want my medial delta to kick in? Do I want my clavicular fibers of my pec? You can alter the back support to adjust a different part of the body that's activating. Do you initiate from the shoulder or do you initiate from the neck? Imagine if you're going to do three sets of 10 and you initiate with the neck every rep. That's 30 reps of neck shrugs you just did. You want to train your neck? There's other exercises for your neck. So when it comes down to tempo, tempo is a phenomenal way to humble a person, to use lighter weight, get them absolutely exhausted using the right muscles. If somebody wants to build a physique that they feel confident going to the beach with, they feel confident in a bathing suit, cut off shorts, whatnot, and they want to show off some of that muscle, the best thing is using the right muscles when you exercise. And I love showing people that you don't have to lift heavy to do that. Now, in contrast, I love lifting heavy. I love powerlifting. I train powerlifters. So if somebody wants to powerlift, we're using the whole body to move a bar. If somebody wants to change their physique, we slow it down. We isolate one muscle at a time. If someone wants a combination of both, they want to look like a bodybuilder, they want to move like a weightlifter, and they want to lift like a powerlifter, we can manipulate all those variables. We can use tempo. We can use all your muscles, create phenomenal physiques, and then just be healthy and strong for long. Yeah, it, it's something. My, my, I'm on my second marriage, and my my second wife here started joining me at the gym back in September. I started on kind of a a path of getting back into better shape. Um, my listeners know this, and um, for one, she I, I gave her a lifting program to use. And I just gave her a simple push-pull, something that she could learn. Mm-hmm. And I told her, you're only going to do one set today of every exercise. Well, why? It didn't feel like anything. Oh, it will. <laughs> it mm-hmm. will. Just mm-hmm. just wait. And, you know, point was, 
I watched her form. I fixed things. I made sure she was doing it the correct way. And also with her, because she's just looking to move and, you know, lose a little bit of weight, but move. I, I did give her a lot of machine exercises because it's a little easier to like keep the form correct for a newbie, you know? Mm. Um, but what she found out rather quickly was that one set, she felt it. Mm-hmm. And I said, imagine if you had tried to do the three or four that you wanted to do, it, you wouldn't be able to move your arms. And that's, and then the next thing you'd tell me, you don't want to go to the gym, but I mm-hmm. gave you nice, easy workout. You feel it. Now your next week, you're going to do two. And then the next week you'll do three. Eventually you'll get to the four sets that you want to get to. But you got to work your way there. So I, I totally agree with you. You know, people have to figure out what their goal is. And then how are they going to accomplish their goal without chasing themselves out of the gym? You see too many people go in there and they they pull a workout off the Internet and it says do five sets of five. And they put all this weight on and they try to do the five sets of five. They last about a week and you never see them again at the gym. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's sad. So I remember, tell me about, I remember doing that. Go ahead. I remember doing that. I was a young fella. I uh, used to subscribe to MNF Muscle and Fitness Magazine, or should have called Muscle and Fiction. And I remember I was like 15 years old, and I just got a new subscription and uh, at Christmas time. And Jay Cutler was on the January edition. Jay Cutler, six-time Mr. Olympia, five-time. And it's like, do Jay's chest workout. So I'm a guy who never did Chris's workout. I never did a chest workout before. I was just starting. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, here's Mr. Olympia. You know, and it started off with eight sets of eight, you know, dumbbell press. And I'm like, no problem. I can smoke that. And I remember like after my third set, you know, I didn't feel anything in my chest. But after each set, I would look in the mirror and in my eyes, it was bigger. But I was like, man, my shoulders are on fire. This has got to be good for something. So you do the full eight sets, maybe that's 64 reps. I may have done four reps with some pec. <laughs> right and then you go to the next thing it's a it's it was an incline press another like eight sets and it was a decline press five sets and then there was like a drop set with cable flies it was like a 90 minute chest workout it was just stupid heavy and the next day i couldn't raise my arms i like couldn't lift my arms overhead and i had ridiculous shoulder pain but in my mind i'm like that's an amazing chest workout I didn't feel what I was supposed to feel. I didn't contract what I was supposed to contract. I didn't even have muscle soreness. I had joint soreness and I couldn't like use my upper body for a week. The workout was for Jay Cutler, not for Chris. It was the biggest mistake I made starting fitness. And I was just like everyone else and we all do it. When like you said, I could have even looked at that workout and said, scale that thing down. You know, I am 120th of the man Jay Cutler was at the side at the time based on size. I should have done one set of each exercise and that would have been probably more than enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you remember, you know, mentioning the muscle and fitness magazine and any bodybuilding magazine in general, do you remember having the realization at some point, wow, this magazine is 90% advertisements designed yeah. to look like helpful articles. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, a, like, that's, that's like why I love that you call it ma- muscle and fiction. <laughs> the first 20 pages were just advertisements for supplements and bikinis and all this other stuff. Right. <laughs> And then they want you to believe that um, I, I'll never forget how um, upset I was to talk to somebody in the fitness industry, probably as uh, about 10 years ago now, uh, and have them tell me, yeah, you know what we do to, to get these before and after pictures is I, I come in shredded and they take the picture and then I go and I gain weight. 
and you take the picture and then we swap them that's the before and the after <laughs> i'm like wow that is just so disgusting you know yeah. that you take advantage of people that way and of course then they're making you think that that little pill that they're selling that got them from that fluffy condition to that ripped condition you know yeah, you, you know jay cutler was notorious for waking up at like two in the morning and doing an hour of cardio notorious for the bulking season to set his alarm at two in the morning to get up to eat another meal right that pill didn't do that for him right yeah. you know i never did what jay did we never did what jay did that's why we don't look like jay and nobody exactly. looked like jay jay was jay he was an anomaly an absolute outlier a freak who trained like an animal his job was to be a bodybuilder he ate like a machine he supplemented different than you and i would as well you just had the total package it's not realistic for anyone to look at these magazines and say hey I want to I want to look like that so I'm just going to do the one thing they tell me to do. No, that that's not realistic. The magazines are full of fiction because they say you can look and you can be like someone else if you just do this one or two things. No, that guy was full-time, 24 hours a day into his physique for decades, decades, not 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 3 weeks. Yeah. Not a one yeah. month try trial and error kind of thing. Yeah, I I actually it's interesting you mentioned Jay because uh back in may of this year i went to tennessee for a for a boxing charity event that a good friend of mine put on and jay cutler was one of the people who appeared there and i i chatted with him for about 45 minutes and um he's actually my favorite bodybuilder because of that kind of dedication when you hear stories of setting an alarm at 2 a.m so you can get a meal in that's just yeah. that's dedication he, he um, but one of the I used, yeah, to one of the him, I used to cheer for him to beat ronnie i'm like come on man yeah. you're here you're gonna beat yeah him. He finally did it. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, one of the things we chatted about was we were talking about like his cardio because a lot of bodybuilders will tell you, oh, I've got enough muscle. I just lift weights. I don't really worry about cardio until it's showtime. Um, he does cardio all the time. In fact, um, he was telling me that um, he needed his, his manager told him he needed more YouTube content. So he created um, a segment called jaywalking and his his videographer goes with him, asks some questions and they go on a walk. And that's his cardio. And he goes on like a 20, 30 minute walk every day. But imagine how much content he must get. You know, I mean, at 30 minutes, a 30 minutes a walk, he's going to get a lot of content. 100%. But I just thought it was brilliant that, you know, he's still doing cardio and he's not competing. So clearly for him, that's a part of his overall physique regimen. You know, he has to have cardio in there. I'm like that too. I can't, I don't know how people get away with just lifting weights and staying lean i can't do it i have to do cardio i hate it like everybody else but it has to be done i'm now my new my new trainer that i'm working with and i think it's kind of the breakthrough and that's something i want people to listen to is he said he defines cardio for me as you know what if you take your dog for a 30 minute long walk you did 30 minutes of cardio you know like that that's cardio. You don't have to go get on a treadmill to do cardio or, or a, an exercise bike. And it really changed things for me because um, cardio is easy to get in now. Um, it wasn't so easy before. So mm -hmm. I, I think people need to realize that, that any kind of movement that you're doing where you're burning calories, you're, you're getting some cardio in there. Um, yep. But tell me about, tell me about like your typical, like, okay, if you had a, if you had a client come in and they said, I want to get leaner and stronger two things that kind of opposite sides of the spectrum. How would you handle that? Well, I would actually address what you just talked about with cardio. And um, one thing that not everybody's aware of is the number one killer worldwide right now of humanity is cardiorespiratory disease. 
cardiovascular disease, cardio. That that's what people die. You get so old, your heart can't take it anymore, and, and you die. That that's just what it is. People in the fitness industry, for some mysterious reason, ignore that. We're all going to get some form of cardiovascular disease. All mammals do. They all do as we age. The more fit we are, cardiovascular wise, the better our longevity is. That I mean that's just a fact. When you look at all those people who live over a hundred years old, when they look at their cardiorespiratory fitness, they all have resting heart rates super low which is an indicator of a very well-functioning cardiorespiratory system. Now, you want to you wanna get lean, you want to get strong, you want to put on muscle, you haven't worked out before, you're out of shape. You don't have any cardiovascular fitness. So I say if somebody wants to get healthy, they want to lose weight, they want to be lean, whatever it is, cardiorespiratory fitness is part of it. You don't have to be on the treadmill four or five times a week for 30 minutes. Like you said, any form of, of fitness that increases your heart rate, burns calories, is a form of cardio. Absolutely. I love doing things with new people where I'll do supersets, trisets, or I'll do PHA, peripheral heart activation. Peripheral heart activation is supersetting an upper and a lower body exercise together. So you might do a set of uh, upper body pull downs. You might pair that with a goblet squat. What the heart and the lungs have to do together is they have to pump oxygenated blood to the upper body extremities, then immediately to the lower body extremities. So it's going to double time the cardiovascular demand. So just pairing an exercise like that is going to get your cardio in. You don't have to then stay at the gym for an extra 30 minutes and do aerobic conditioning at low intensities. This is going to pump your heart rate up. It's going to be phenomenal. And if you're deconditioned and you've never exercised before or it's been since high school, you don't have to do much. Two sets, three sets, it's more than enough. And you can build on it over time just by adding a few more reps, adding another set, increasing the load, Something like that to make it a little bit more challenging. And the beauty of cardiovascular fitness is you adapt really quick. You, that's why CrossFit's addictive. Anyone who goes out there and tries CrossFit, if they don't break their neck in their first week and they're good to go, then, then they're like, wow, I feel, I feel really good on week two compared to week one. This isn't so hard. But then they switch everything up. But your body's very adaptive to the stresses you put on it. I like to think of the, the adaptability of the body is very much like, like the sun on our skin. So for some people, when they go outside and it's, you know, 30 degrees, I'm in Canada, it's Celsius, 30 degrees is where most people sunburn. So someone like me with my, with my uh, fair skin, if I go outside for, you know, 30 minutes in 30 degrees, I'm going to burn real hard. But if I go outside for 10 minutes, I'm not going to burn. And then if I go out the next day for maybe 12 minutes, I'm not going to burn. And if I do that every couple of days, after a couple of weeks, I can handle 30 minutes without getting a sunburn. I've built up a tolerance to it. Cardiorespiratory fitness is the exact same thing. So when I start working with anybody who's brand new and they want to get healthy, I will tell them that right off the bat. We're thinking longevity. We're thinking you're going to get more output in your workout. You're going to feel better, have more energy. Then you're going to be able to even do more in the gym. So even when I work with hypertrophy people, they want to put on muscle, bodybuilders. I say, you want to put on some muscle. If you can only do eight exercises in a training session, you're gassed because you're deconditioned. We got to increase your aerobic capacity so that you can then do 10 12, 14. One of my favorite bodybuilders was Ben Pakulski. Ben Pakulski was really big on creating an aerobic base that allowed him to do more work. And he was big on that. He's like, guys, you want to get big? It's who can do the most amount of work. So he built that by doing things exactly what I just said, PHA, supersetting. And this over time, okay, five sets went to six sets, went to seven sets, went to 12 sets but he had the aerobic conditioning to be able to recover from it and be able to do a little bit more. 
Yeah, he he actually was an interesting guy because he was the one who, when he was trying to win Mr. Olympia, hired um, a bunch of um, doctors to you know hook electrodes up and monitor his workouts and be like, oh, you need more squeeze here, you need more squeeze there. And I, I mean, people laughed at him, but I think it's cool that it's so scientific because while he didn't win Mr. Olympia, he sure did get pretty impressive results from you know where he was to where he ended up. In my opinion, yeah, he became I, pro I have a lot in two of respect years. For him. In two years, he got his pro card. Canadian, yeah. that's why I know him quite well. Got his pro card. And then he was really big on uh, – his nickname was the Intelligent Bodybuilder, right? Yeah. So he would look at – you know, he put on a bunch of muscle, but he just wasn't placing high. He's like, why am I not placing so high? And then he would look at it and say, like, this muscle's too big. This is too small. There's no symmetry here. He's like, how can I bring all this stuff up? And he stopped – in his words, I've heard him say this before. I stopped training like a meathead, and I tried to train more like a scientist. And he'd say, what's the best way – to contract this muscle what's the, how i know i'm getting the most out of every contraction so he would do things like muscle activation techniques he'd get tune-ups on that on his body and what it would do is it would teach his body to contract better so he gets everything fired up he goes in the gym every rep he does he's getting maximal contraction of that muscle so for most of us like you and me we go in the gym if we're gonna do four sets our last two sets we really feel like we got a good two sets in well the first one and two was almost like warming up the muscle, getting it used to, uh -huh. okay, how am I going to do this? Well, Ben would walk in just primed, ready to go. He teaches it through um, some of his coaching systems afterwards, and uh, I'm a huge fan of it, and I use the exact same protocols with clients as well. We, we find the muscle, we stimulate it, we move with it, and then we fatigue it. Yeah, I think that's uh, – it, it's interesting. Recently, probably within like the last 10 weeks, my training got switched up, and – we focus more on pre-exhaustion. So like, whereas prior, let's say on a leg day, squats would be like the number one or number two exercise in the, in the list. Now it might be number four or five with some other, you know, quad uh, dominant uh, exercises, tiring those quads out. Mm -hmm. Well, what I'm really liking about it is that I'm, by the time I get to the squats, I'm already really feeling my quads. I know they're there. I can feel it. When I, when I hit those squats, I can tell that I'm hitting it correctly, but I also don't have to go as heavy to get mm -hmm. the same results because mm -hmm. they're exhausted by that point in time. Whereas I might've had to go up to close to 400 pounds to like really get some good activation. Mm -hmm. I can do three plates, 315 and just be you mm -hmm. know, right where I need to be. Um, and the same thing happens on back day when I do deadlifts, et cetera. It's just, you're just pre-exhausted. And I like that because like I say, it's not so dangerous to be pushing around super heavy weight. Um, and it also makes, it's kind of like the first couple of, of exercises are warm up mm -hmm. and then you dig in and you do the real work. Um, and it just, it just makes sense. Um, and I've noticed a lot of physical changes that weren't happening before that are happening mm -hmm. now with a new, you know, new technique. That's why, that's why I also think, I feel like no matter what you do, find somebody who knows what they're doing and let them kind of guide you. And if you can afford to get engaged with a coach, definitely engage with a coach because mm -hmm. I've been lifting for years. I've got my personal trainer certification, et cetera. But it's kind of like, you know, they have that joke, you know, um, what do you call an attorney that represents themselves? And then they say an idiot. Well, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, you know, what do you call somebody who's going to try to like get into the best shape of their life all by themselves? An idiot. You know, mm -hmm. like one of the things that I've noticed is I'll give, give you the perfect example. I have a trainer. He's he's in Tennessee. So I send him every morning. He insists that I send him my weight. 
And he knows, he's told me flat out, fluctuations don't matter that much. I'm watching for something else. And I have no freaking clue what he's looking for. But like, there'll be times where my weight will have gone down by a pound and a half over a day and he'll adjust my macros. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, see, I would have never done that. <laughs> I would have been really happy with that pound and a half and I would have just kept stuck with it. But he does it and then the next thing, more weight comes off and more weight comes off and more weight comes off. And mm-hmm. I think that's what you need when you're trying to get in shape is you need somebody who can say, you know, normally you would keep eating this many calories, but I want you to drop your calories by 250 uh, for the next week and watch what happens. And you just, and, and the same thing with training. Like I want you to train at this intensity level. Um, you might not consider that on your own. Um, and you know, okay, it's time to change up your training. Might not consider that on your own. Mm-hmm. I just think having somebody who knows what they're doing and but who's removed from the situation, it's really important. You know, going to someone like you, like if 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 I was trying to perfect the three lifts in powerlifting, I'd want to go to somebody who is a powerlifter mm-hmm. um, and can coach it. Um, not everybody who does it can can coach it, right? But but somebody 100%. who can coach it is important. So yeah. I think that's I think that's a key, right? Like. That that's where someone like you comes into into play, because you can tell me, you want more power on your on your bench, this is what you have to do, mm-hmm. um, and and it could be a super minute adjustment, but it makes all the difference. I remember being taught the overhead press, and it was the first time someone taught me, you know, when you put your arms up, look at yourself in a mirror, they arc, and. Most people try to do the overhead press straight up. So it goes back to what you're talking about, about your, your chest workout and your shoulders are burning. That's because yeah. we're using your shoulders, not your chest. You know that. Um, and the same thing happens when you're, when you're doing your um, shoulder workout wrong. Your chest starts to burn because you're, you're relying upon it. But as soon as yeah. I was taught that, like, you know, shift the head forward, let the arms go back behind you, the world changed for me. Um, mm-hmm. For one, the lift got harder. It's a lot harder. Yeah. <laughs> um, but over time, the weight slowly increases. You get better shaped shoulders because you're actually working the muscle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the coaching was the key there. Um, now, in your situation, um, how do you handle, say, an athlete's training versus, say, a fitness model? I mean, they both want to be in great shape, right? So how do you... How do you differentiate between that? If at well, all, the fitness model for their confidence, I call them athletes, <laughs> but but they're they're a different level of athlete. <laughs> their performance is is way more on how they look. When an, an athlete who does a sport, their performance is how they play. <laughs> but you know, with what with bikini girls, and I, I train bikini girls, and I love bikini girls. You know, they're A type personalities. They come into the sport. They're like, I want to be shredded, ripped, and I want to win the overall. Like that's always the goal. I'm always like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't even have a bikini. <laughs> like like step one, you don't even have a bikini. And you want to be the best in a competition. You don't even know who's going to be there. But they're very driven. So I always talk them off the cliff in the beginning. I always explain, hey, here's what it's going to be about. Here's where it's going to be uncomfortable. Here's what's going to happen to you psychologically. Here's what's going to happen with the reverse diet. Here's what you're going to like. And, and here's all the stuff you're not going to like. I, I'm very open and honest with them about that. And I make sure they get that before we go forward with someone like that. With an athlete, so actually I started off as a strength conditioning coach before a personal trainer. And I worked at, at a university. I worked in a fitness assessment center labs. We would test all these athletes. We would create all these training programs for them. And what I learned early on was 
the number one priority of a strength conditioning coach is to make sure an athlete doesn't get injured. You want to bulletproof their body for their season. So if their season starts in September and it goes to June, um, then you got to say, okay, we don't have to make you in the best shape of your life in September, but we have to make sure you're not injured by December. And then so we would do like a, a backwards design model. When's playoffs? When do you need to be at your best? We're going to keep you injury free leading up to that point there where you can peak or be the best version of you. Hockey players are a great example. So I'm in Canada. We got a lot of hockey stuff up in here. And hockey players lose weight. So hockey players are going to lose about 5% of their body mass within a, a, a hockey season at the university level with all the amount of activity that they do year-round. And these are university guys, right? You know, they probably played uh, semi-pro. They didn't get to the NHL. So now they're going to go back and do their university degrees at age 25 to 30. And they're going to lose 5% of their body mass because of all the, the physical fitness that they do throughout the entire season. And they're still socializing. They're still university partying and stuff. So it's not a calorie thing. So when they get to playoffs... The teams that aren't injured, they can go deep. The guys who've maintained some of their body mass, they're going to be more robust to getting injuries or more robust to not getting injuries. So my objective is always tracking where's your body weight at the start of the season? Where's your body weight midpoint? Where's your body weight towards the end? Because my objective is to keep you from getting hurt. It's not about, hey, you PR'd your leg press you know, in February when playoffs are in June. That does not matter at all. Yeah. So when you work with an athlete, you got to take that consideration that your value to them is not to make you better in the gym and hit all these crazy PRs. It's to make sure you can perform on game day, day after day after day. And can you go through the season without getting an injury or minimizing the injuries? Because some sports are just prone. They're going to have injuries. You play rugby, you play football, you're probably going to get a injury, even if it's like low level. At one point in the season, it's just high intense sport. Right. If you are a baseball player, I mean, you got 180 games a season, right? Even though they say like the baseball players don't do much, depending on your position, like especially if you're a pitcher, you're a midfielder, like you're going to be doing a lot of this overuse stuff again and again. So you got to time it. You got to you got to pare it down. So I kind of handle those two types of athletes or clientele differently based on that. But it's always a backwards design model. End of the season, work our way backwards. Make sure you're you're good. You don't get hurt. Bikini, you want to be on stage? Well, we got to work backwards. This is where you are today. To get to the stage, we got to look kind of like this, and it's not going to be comfortable. And when they're on board with that, it's a lot easier. There's no false promises, right? It's not like I'm going to say, okay, three weeks out, you're going to feel amazing. It's like, nope, three weeks out, you're going to feel like dog shit. And if you're okay with that, then let's proceed. Yeah, I I, I actually, back in 2012, I had someone um, work with me to help me um, – of get into better shape and he his requirement was that i register and pay for a bodybuilding competition and that i go regardless of my results so (laughs) of course that's a huge motivator to get Mm -hmm. the right results um but i will say um the experience of going through prep um was something else um Mm -hmm. It was more, honestly, people, it's more mental toughness than anything else. Um, I mean, you can do it physically, but it's the mental toughness that goes along with it. Being able to, to you know, cut calories way, way down towards the end and, um, you know, dry out a bit and that sort of thing. And, and it has, especially when you're a little bit older, it has to be done right because you can cause heart problems if you don't do it mm-hmm. right. But but the long and short of it is just that it, it's a mental toughness thing. And I honestly think that's what people forget when they go in the gym mm-hmm. because 
they they hear go to failure and they're not quite sure what go to failure means mm -hmm. um and it, it's not always what they think um i always define going to failure as when you can no longer move the weight with proper form you've you, you're a failure um it's not always just that you can't push the weight anymore sometimes that's the answer right if you've perfect form and then all of a sudden you can't move the weight anymore you're you're done but i, I used to remember like working with a client and i'd say okay get as many reps as you can here and you'd watch them and you'd bang them out one two three four five they get to like 13 and no change in tempo and they go i, I don't have anything left come on mm -hmm. now that's your mm -hmm. brain telling you you don't mm -hmm. have anything left your body probably has another 20 reps in you you know and it's just it, mental so and you mentioned it when you were reading my bio there i, I mentioned this and you agree with me effort is the thing to distinguish great results from good sure results so, so yes. if you, yeah, and it's how hard do you, how hard do you go and people who are mentally tough, they can go a little bit farther. The good news is for any of your listeners right now is you don't have to go, you know, to the wall as hard as you can all the time to see any results. If you have, if you're not conditioned, if you're listening to this now and you're thinking about going to the gym, you don't have to go into the gym and go crazy. You can literally go in there and do that one set because that's a stimulus that you haven't had before. And your body will respond by being like, oh, oh, this is different. I need to be better in case they give this to me again in the next 48 to 72 hours. So you adapt by getting better. That's why someone can go from one set to two sets to three sets within like a one and a half week period. And they can get better because the body adapts to it. Going into the gym and going to those, those eight by eight sets that I did, I didn't need that. The one set was enough. But if you want to go to that, that exceptional result, you're eventually going to have to step on the gas, get really uncomfortable and push beyond what you think you can really do. And then the body starts looking different, performing different, being different beyond what you thought was even capable. You know, I, I completely agree with the effort issue. I think that um, if you're if you're looking for, say, if you want to be a bodybuilder and go into a competition or you want to be a power lifter and compete, you're going to need to get your mind in order and you're going to have to go in there, that gym and you're going to have to give it all your effort. But if you're if you're trying to lose weight, well, one thing that I, I remember from dealing with uh, regular clients is pretty much anything they do is going to get them weight, uh, weight off. I mean, like I remember, have you have you ever heard of the name Skip LaCour before? No, so Skip LaCour was a six-time U.S. national champion in bodybuilding, and he had mm -hmm. a radio show for a while. And I'll never forget, he used to listen to his radio show. Uh, this was before podcasts were a big deal, but I used to listen to it in podcast form while I would do my cardio. And this man called in and said, Skip, I need your help. I've been trying to lose weight for a year, and I just stay at the same weight or I go up. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. So, of course, he asked all the typical questions about what he's eating, et cetera, and then Skip says, "Okay, here, here's the problem. You know, you can't you can't come home from work and drive through McDonald's and think that you're gonna you know lose weight. Because but here's what, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to start out Monday to Friday. I want you to eat clean. I want you to eat the foods you know you're supposed to eat. And Saturday and Sunday, you go ahead and do whatever you want. Eat eat mm -hmm. however you want. And then I want you to call me back in four weeks and let's talk about you know what happened. Well, the guy lost a little bit of weight. So Skip said, "Okay, great." You're able to do that five days a week. Um, now you're on the weekends. Well, now I'm going to take something away from you. Now you got to do it Monday to Saturday. And on Sunday, you can eat whatever the heck you want all day long. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Eat 10,000 calories on Sunday. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Call me back in four weeks. Guy lost even more weight. So then he said, are you think you're ready to go seven days a week? 
And he goes, yeah. He goes, okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go seven days a week, but on the seventh day, pick one meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and splurge. Eat whatever you want. And let's and call me back in four weeks. So the guy was like, I never realized how easy this was. This is so easy. Well, it's not that it was easy. It was that he walked him down the road of getting his brain where it needed to be mm -hmm. um, towards food. Um, mm -hmm. And I think people need to listen to that. Baby steps do a lot for you. And if you're overweight and you want to lose the weight, yeah, you're going to go into the gym and you're going to do exercise. But, but like Chris said earlier, don't overdo it. Don't get in there and let's go crazy all at once. Um, you haven't, there's a reason you're out of shape. Um, and that's probably because you haven't been exercising at all. So mm -hmm. don't expect to walk into a gym and like take a two hour group cardio class. You're not going to make it. Um, mm -hmm. Do small things that make small changes. But just by one of the things that always drives me crazy is you hear about keto or paleo and then they sing the praises. But the problem is, my gosh, if I'm eating McDonald's, pizza, spaghetti, pasta 24-7, and then I switch to a keto diet where I'm cutting my carbs way down, of course I'm going to lose weight. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's no other choice. But remember, can you sustain it? And that's mm -hmm. why I say I agree with you on the initial effort. Make it something you can sustain. Um, like I mentioned with the story with my wife, you, know, you start out with one set. You got them up to four sets over time. She didn't quit. She's still doing it months and months later, um, and she'll continue to do it for years. Um, and every so often, we change up her program so that it's not boring. But that's really the only reason that we're doing it. She's not trying to become a you know a, a fitness model or anything like that. So I mean, for her, mm -hmm. the shape of her muscles is like the last thing that, that she's thinking about. Mm -hmm. So with that said, um, I really appreciate you know your time today. I wanted to ask you to let our listeners know where they can find you if they want to get in touch with you. Yeah, I'm a big social media guy. So if you're on, uh, you know, Facebook, you can search my name, Chris Fudge. If you're on Instagram, my handle is uh, C the Fudge, the letter C, C the Fudge. I have a website, projectfitness.ca. And I have a podcast myself. Um, it's called the Project Fitness Podcast. Very similar concept here. I get experts on talking about different topics. So once a week, we always have an expert on. And then we also do one 10-minute how-to show a week as well, such as, you know, how to increase sleep, okay, how to recover from running, how to increase hydration. There's 10-minute episodes. They're super quick, literally just to the point. And I'm on any of the podcast uh, hosts you could find, Spotify, Apple. And, again, that's Project Fitness Podcast. And, yeah, so social media, that's where you'd find me. And then uh, on the podcast, you'd find me there as well. Awesome. Well, I encourage everybody um, to check those resources out. I'll put them in the show notes as well, so it's a lot easier for everyone to find. Um, I know sometimes you're driving or whatnot while these things are going on, so um, you can't write it down. I'll have it in the show notes. You'll easily be able to find it. But again, thanks so much for being on. I, I've learned a lot myself, and I'm sure the listeners have learned a lot. Um, you're obviously very knowledgeable. I have this thing I, I call, I, I tell people, um, that there's a lot of fitness information out there, but there's only a reputable few people, um, you know, only a few are reputable. And I, I think I'd put you in that category. The information you provide is uh, spot on from what I know. And what I know is from my own personal experience. And mm -hmm. I think when it comes to fitness, personal experience becomes really important because like you talked about pattern recognition before, um, how bet what better way to recognize patterns than your own personal patterns and then fix them. So, yeah. um, but again, thanks so much for being on. 
um, definitely check out his pod, podcast, Project Fitness Podcast. Um, and uh, this is another episode of Fitness Freedom. Thanks for listening to Fitness Freedom, helping you break through your personal prison and your body and mind. You can find Mike's ebook on five steps to getting into the best shape of your life at fitnessexpose.com forward slash podcast. Go there right now for your free gift of five steps to getting into the best shape of your life. Feel free to reach out to Mike directly on Facebook or Twitter. Go to fitnessexpose.com forward slash Twitter and his Facebook fitnessexpose.com forward slash Facebook. Until next time, create your freedom through fitness.